Welcome to the Maitripa College podcast. Maitripa College is a Buddhist institution of higher education founded by Yangtze Rinpoche in 2005 in Portland, Oregon. We offer two graduate degree programs, a Master of Arts in Buddhist Studies and a Master of Divinity degree, and Classical Tibetan Language Studies year-round and through a summer intensive format. Founded upon three pillars of scholarship, meditation, and service, the Maitripa College curriculum combines Western academic contemplative learning and traditional Tibetan Buddhist disciplines. Through the development of wisdom and compassion, our graduates are empowered with a sense of responsibility to work joyfully for the well-being of others. They become agents of positive change in the world and are shaping the development of Buddhism in the West as scholar practitioners, chaplains, professional translators, doctoral degree candidates, leaders in the nonprofit world, educators, and more. We invite you to join us to make your practice your life. In this week's episode taken from the Sunday Community Program, Young Sirimpche teaches about defining a healthy mind. So basically, this two line is an individual who wants to find the meaningful of a purpose of a life. And then he said that the next line, please pay attention with the focus what I'm going to tell you. So, so <coughs> Uh, uh, somehow, surprisingly, we are here. <laughs> so now we need to make two choices. One choice is to make a disaster. <laughs> One choice to make a constructive or beneficial. So here, uh, the second choice, who are really making that effort, he says, please pay attention. He might have to share something. <clears throat> okay. So, そう、ゲベソラタムジギネデボシンダシンブルドタメニーナムセ。テンバタムジキンベソラドバチビキウチュウチュウ。え、キウソンジラムゲリンバチャザンマンサンメバネデバ。チャンジュラムゲリンベグ
is not just kind of like a very creativity and very kind of grounded, but he wants to see something kind of purpose uh, that can be, uh, that his presentation can become helpful to that uh, that approach, that presentation might able to help uh, to achieving or to awakening the enlightened state of a mind. Okay, and uh, he wants to put into the on the platform of a small scope, medium scope, and great scope. That's the kind of the format that way he wants to give this uh, presentation. Basically, he's saying if you want to find meaningful purpose of life. That's his proposal, and this is the, what he's saying, kind of, where he's going to propose, where he's going to present, and so that's the... <clears throat> oh. That's, I think, the really best promotion, <laughs> best way of promoting. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> uh, So I think one thing is that, that the verse, the last verse, Tave then some twenty shadow and then this is I think the last verse I'm doing individual who wants to this human life to make a in this human life trying to finding the meaningful purpose, wants to find the you have a desire to finding meaningful purpose in our life. And he said, "This is the high. This is what he is going to propose." <clears throat> he's not saying this is the right. Uh, he's giving kind of like an option. He's giving a little bit more kind of openness. Uh, so, <clears throat> the who have uh, that desire and that urge or hope, and this is what he's going to proposal. The way he's going to do it, he's kind of putting this kind of like a structure. Okay. <clears throat> Okay. And also he puts together Tempatamji Gamelu Topa, Suraman, Dangandu Chava, Kevagoma, Deladunyeva, Nijimalu, Rangsarashevas, Tempatamji Gamelu Topa. One thing uh, he also what he wants to see outcome from the study or practice of Lamrim, not becoming kind of very, he don't want to become somebody becomes, I say, very one-sided, very kind of like extreme view. He wants to individuals, what his hope is, Tempatamjagamedutopas, all the teachings of the Buddha, instead of seeing as a contradiction, he want to able to make that his his hope is to able to see complementing, you know, all the teaching, all the teaching. So uh, the the practitioners who are trying to study in Lamrim, he's encouraging your approach is not trying to find some contradiction. Your approach to finding is to even those contradiction on the surface you are able to see the bigger picture and trying to solve uh, as a, not to solve into the complementing, to come into the complementing, not as a thing, as a contradiction. And so basically what that means is uh, he wants to, when individuals studying Lamrim or practicing Lamrim, that's, you are not stuck with a literal meaning, you are not stuck with a surface meaning, so he wants to have a, that kind of flexibility we're not going to stuck with the one kind of word and one kind of syllabus. Uh, we want to, individual wants to have a much more broad and much more expansion. So this is a one, uh, once we have that kind of approach and openness, and then naturally we're able to see, you know, surface contradiction and the depth complementing. <clears throat> so we won't get stuck into this kind of specific area that's, oh, this is the what it is saying. <clears throat> Basically, 
uh, in, even in today's world, once you see any kind of a talking or teaching becomes a direct communication, you feel like alive. And that's, that's really good. It's a direct communication. We like that. But direct communication, that becomes really painful for us. And we don't like that direct communication. That even a teaching or something, whatever, it, it's, if that comes like directly hitting our weak point, and we, you know, it becomes uh, difficult to. So the second point, Suramali Dangatu Chava, is basically. Uh, able to uh, this kind of uh, our pain and our challenge when the teaching able to kind of communicates onto that that pulls it out then there is a not defensiveness but you feel like openness uh, you feel like you are the basically once you the the teaching you know when you're reading or meditating if there's no any kind of defensiveness behavior defensiveness behavior comes through because of our ego grasping ego have this uh, method to making very defensive so if there is no defensive then you know Dhamma means uh, special instruction. A special instruction basically is a little bit, the real meaning is uh, how you, not so much the instruction itself, how you digest that instruction makes the special instruction. There's nothing special instruction, although externally sometimes we have this kind of we call special instruction, but over here, Dhamma, this damna is is a, I don't know. There's a good translation instead of saying some kind of special. <laughs> when you say something special, so that makes something extraordinary. But it's basically it's not out there. Some kind of reaching instruction becomes special instruction. Any instruction, the way we digest when we kind of taking as a as a transformation then that message becomes special instruction. So Dhamma. So Suramali Dhamadu Chavam is basically it's uh, it's basically it hits it hits into the Dhamma Tsangtotu Papa. We call Dhamma Tsangtotu Papa means it's something it hits into the our weak point. It hits into the it's kind of like a it kind of wakes, it kind of shakes that's something we have been very defensive. And yeah, Dhamma is, uh, Dhamma is, sometimes we, we have some temptation, this special instruction. But if you come close to special instruction, it's not easy to digest. It is a, it is a, we might want to run away from special instruction. <laughs> uh, you know, one time there's an interview for His Holiness and the, 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 the news media, they ask like, you know, oh, you're, you're looking so peaceful, you are so kind, how you can do that? And then he said, well, you didn't spend time enough with me. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so I think, uh, yeah, so key point over here, again, you know, our expectation and special instruction that can be slightly different. Can, we can be a surprise. Oh, special instruction! Suddenly, it will be everything be easy. No, it become much more harder. <laughs> so, in sometime in Tibetan, we have a saying. We have a saying, you know, because Tibetan Buddhism have a very strong emphasis in guru devotion. So, and there's a colloquial way of saying this. Well, well get the your gurus. Blessing from far distant. <laughs> so basically, that's thing, like if you're staying close with your guru, it's like now you're not able to handle. It's too complicated. So there's a way of saying like, get the blessing from far distant. <laughs> okay. So so the dhamma and a special instruction. You know, like sometimes we create this kind of misunderstanding and some kind of expectation, but in a Reality, 
you know, it can become really big surprise because it is a challenging for the this defensiveness of ego behavior. Okay, suramule dangado chawa. So, tempa tamje gamedo do suramule dangado chawa. This is basically, you know, like uh, it is uh, what you call. Uh, you know, if you, you know, you know, you know, you all been in acad academic study, and you have like, a, you know, what is the learning outcome? <laughs> outcome is same thing. What he's saying, like outcome, like, you know, able to digest the special instruction, as a, not as a comfort, as a, you know, able to face it. Another outcome, what he is looking in Lamrim through the study of Lamrim, that individual able to go not just stuck with a literal meaning and able to see the bigger picture and able to see. So I think in a generally this whole thing is not only the study in our general in our life, you know, that's the kind of the key thing. <clears throat> and not get stuck into the one area and then able to kind of like expand, able to focus, able to expand, you know, see the bigger picture, also able to able to deal with the detail. You know, so that kind of flexibility uh, becomes very important. <clears throat> uh, basically, and the third his hope is through the study and practice of Lamrim, that there is a something that we are able to access through the main message of the Buddha's teaching, which is. Uh, Wisdom realizing emptiness. So that is one of the his what he wants to see. Uh, the fourth point is a uh, uh, means uh, I mean like literally means like a bad behavior. But I think it's much more, it's basically the negative habit, you know. This is the much more the challenge, the habit. Uh, by study and meditating in the Lamri, one of the Tsongkhapas, what he's saying, his hope is that uh, that kind of negative habit that we have, able to kind of shake and slowly kind of able to move. So that is the, his kind of like a fourth hope, the nature. Nature means much more, I think, in a deeper meaning, is much more for the habit. Never chuba, habit. So, okay. So, so now in the Tsongkhapas, this Lamrim, he basically. He didn't take any credit. Literally, this is a. I'm just kind of trying to elaborating. But really, who composed this lamrim is the Lama Atisha. Okay, uh, Lama Atisha, this great Indian master, great practitioner, and uh, there is in the beginning of the lamrim they will give his little bit his background, his personality, his you know which kind of family he was born. I think is a. Much, I'm, I'm not sure it's not that important the way he was born, but I think in the part of the Lamri is describe his personality, which kind of as an individual person, spiritual personality. Okay, so what what is a personality? He is a basically uh, uh, your name Pumnangi Marmi, basically fully. Pumnangi Marme means, you know, Pumpa means vase. When you put the candle inside the vase, candle really lighted. Inside is very clear, but outside it didn't have a, that kind of like a manifestation. So basically, what that means is uh, internally he's uh, very rich with the realization and uh, understanding, and but externally there's a very humble expression, humility. Uh, so, this is, I think, is, uh, one of the, because sometimes, you know, you, at the beginning, maybe very humble, very good intention, 
and go through practice then slowly when you gain some fame slowly when you gain some kind of status then we get corrupted you know it's kind of like a naturally so what he putting lama atisha as a, not to get corrupt and able to be still humble but with a very rich realization and then there's an there's a you know this is a for me also sometimes these promotions oh young sirimbuche sunday teaching blah 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 it's like so when i see it, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh, and also in a generally when there's a teaching announcement there's a, this kind of extra ordinary this kind of it goes like it makes generally is a kind of little bit uncomfortable <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know is is particularly with the dharma you know I'm mean like today's world we need to put in social media we need to put in a website <laughs> but don't want to make like a commercial it looks very weird you know something is once upon a time lifetime come to get this initiation <laughs> I think is 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 of course buddhism and the dharma practice Yeah, I'm just kind of like uh, if Lama Tsongkhapa was alive today, he might have his own email address. <laughs> <laughs> he might have uh, some kind of Facebook account. <laughs> And Nagarjuna also. You know, Dharma practice doesn't mean you don't adapt it with uh, adapt it with uh, time. Yes, we need to adapt with the time. It's important. But then with that days a little bit fabrication uh, and exaggeration of a uh, element and then there is uh, something that able to write uh, uh. so what happened at the lama atisha then they invited this great master you know he's coming from india and then he invited came to tibet so in the tibet during that time there are lots of high safe uh lots of excitement and you know when he and when he in the the main you know how you say the in invitation people are lining and it, then he came and the tibetans are really excited then he came the first thing he came in he just ran away <laughs> i think there's a there's a there's a time that he came in then he just kind of because the tibetan masters they are wearing brocade and being kind of very elaborated and i think he in tibetan word he put little bit negative word he said no i'm not i don't he you know they're making this kind of like a very vip invitation <laughs> red carpet but he ran away <laughs> and he tell like you know he don't want to see in that manner I want you all to be humble and change your behavior and I'll come through walk through. So the first impression he give a hint in Tibet things going to be changed. <laughs> you know, he give this impression there was the, so much emphasis into the external. And uh, uh This, that became when it, when it's become so much emphasis into the external it's become so much materialistic it becomes so strong materialistic and that kind of like a, destroys the essence and there's a way of a saying in lama tsongkhapa those and the time came you know his effort his how you say uh uh he's <clears throat> uh you know he became kind of established and lineage kind of establishing then one thing i think he made strong dedication he was a kind of okay to my this all hardship this this contribution that he's leaving behind to have a longevity and to consistency what should he do and uh, one thing he one thing he made dedication that follow of my lineage may they never become materially rich <laughs> and 
to making for that dedication, he, you know, the begging ball, he had his own begging ball, he put begging ball upside down and make that dedication. My lineage will be threatened by the material wealth, material wealth. So he made that kind of like a very strong dedication. So basically what I'm saying over here is, this is a, yeah, it is a, there's a, there's a fine line way to walk, you know, like, so yeah, we need some level of a material wealth, material wealth because things to, things to survive. But once that become elaborated, once it becomes a much more, it's complex. You know, so uh, even in the monasteries and, and also in Tibet, I heard uh, there's a way of saying, you know, so the monks, they are doing their meditation, their study and their practice. And then suddenly people trying to kind of appreciate it and trying to support more and support more kind of like material things. And then they say, oh, now this is the curse. You're attracting curse. <laughs> so, so basically there's a something, basically fundamentally, not getting distracting into the materialistic is uh, one of the kind of like a key emphasis. So when they invited Lama Adisha, you know, that the threat for the spiritual spiritual journey, once we get in strong attraction or distraction towards the material, and that's how uh, that's how it becomes kind of like a complicated. So Lama Atisha, one of the his main quality, having this kind of quality, that tremendous strength of wisdom and compassion, at the same time there's a humility very strong humility that's not get there's a strong that humility is basically emphasis is to not to get caught into the material and the surface you know so that's how it is a spiritual practice was introduced okay so then uh so now i think what Again, there's another story. There's also another story. I think is important. What is the real? I think there's a, during the Melarepa time, because Melarepa, you know, he's uh, again this kind of hermitage, not get distracted with the materialist. He's like totally that. But then there's one great, very good business person during that time, and he got very inspired by Melarepa, and okay, so now I'll, I really like to become like Melarepa. So the step number one, he thought, okay, he needed to throw out all his wealth. <laughs> so, so he didn't really prepare, whatever. so he just kind of, I want to become like Melarepa. So he just kind of, you know, careless all his wealth. And then at the end, so he, he don't have the realization, he blew up all his <laughs> material wealth, then he thought, oh my God, I follow this beggar Melarepa, now I'm becoming like a beggar. <laughs> so, so again, so it is not necessarily rejecting our material wealth, but it is basically not investing into the material wealth. So, so this individual person, he thought that, okay, to become to become <laughs> like a Melarepa, he need to reject, you know, reject. So again, not necessarily reject, but not investing is the way to. So here, how we find that balance. And through this balance, karmically, how to naturally flow the wealth for yourself. <laughs> you know, sometimes there's a way of saying, once you, invest karmically somehow it push away when you chase sometimes it karmically it push away when you let go not necessarily let go means reject but you're not necessarily investing there is a space to awakening positive karmic potential so so things things are complicated <laughs> So fundamentally, you know, sometimes we took the message in the wrong way. Oh, to become a practitioner, I need to reject. And 
is not necessarily reject. I mean, when you say let go, it doesn't mean reject. Let go means non-investing. Okay, so uh, so not the uh, so here. <clears throat> um, so basically, uh, so so fundamentally, what's what's you know when we're doing meditation, when we're doing this spiritual practice. Uh, which kind of a human being we want to become? You know, basically, which kind of human being we want to become? That's the fundamental. It's not something we want to become something holy being, not necessary. So, we want the meditation and the lamrim and all these things is trying to creating healthy human being. That's all fundamentally. A healthy human being. What that means is, uh, is not so much a physical level. It is much more talking. Also, the mind, healthy mind, and how we define healthy mind is basically in a healthy mind doesn't mean that mind that is kind of like a one dimension. It have a no flavor. You know, suddenly once you meditate, you become kind of like a numbed for everything, and that's that. We don't want to be that. <laughs> we want to enjoy the. It, the variety and elaboration of conventional reality. You know, that's the... <clears throat> so, usually what happens is, uh, due once we are not get meditate and we get kind of very, either very reactive, very reactive, you know, which really kind of paralyzed, you know, we become easy, vulnerable into the conventional world. And all this practice and meditation is to, you know, you know, I'm just kind of like once a person who meditate in emptiness and a person who like chocolate ice cream. And once you meditate in emptiness, that person not necessarily have no taste for chocolate ice cream. <laughs> I think that person can have a good taste for chocolate ice cream or if this person like a coffee they will have this usual interaction with the conventional world but if i don't get my morning coffee i cannot function maybe that kind of <laughs> expression maybe not doesn't happens or the waitress forget to bring dessert ice cream chocolate you won't get frustrated <laughs> maybe that 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 medit there is a there is a space to enjoyment and not gets not necessarily stuck with a demand and the craving so so basically healthy in all this practice is just basically you know something that uh, not to get easily annoyed. annoyed. <laughs> a healthy human being is uh, something that uh, that mind have a plenty space. That mind have a that mind is not going to invest into the nonsense things and have a preserve plenty energy for good things. Uh, so. Have it, uh, the purpose of life. You know, sometimes we get. There's sometimes His Holiness. He gives when one of the teaching. He said, like, please don't invest this human intelligence in for nonsense. <laughs> this is, I think, is really good. You know, like sometimes you get caught into the nonsense, and uh, and then you're applying all your intelligence into that nonsense. <laughs> Investing into that nonsense, and and then it's like a, you know, you know, sometimes this habit kind of gets into it. Okay, so, uh, so, so basically, ultimately, what it is trying to accomplish is a healthy, you know, like a healthy awareness is not is basically resilient. Resilient, I think that doesn't mean, you know, it, you, we may kind of hit the bumps on the journey, but we're able to bounce back and able to kind of non-reactive and come, you know, 
bounce back through the compassion, awareness, and you know you have that kind of like a journey that you are you are not kind of like stuck into some area or some corner. So that is the fundamentally here. And uh, uh, so anyway, now the key point over here, Lama Atisha, uh, uh, this Lama Atisha, uh, one, one thing, he, uh, he is known for great, great practitioner of loving kindness, loving kindness. So this is a one thing that uh, <clears throat> I think he also took us, you know, like a traveling in the Samarta, you know, from India to Indonesia area, the, the Malay, that area where he went receiving lots of teaching into a method and Buddhist practice. So, so one one of the uh, uh, this uh, Lamadisha is known for practice of compassion, and uh, and and also today's you know we world you know like there's a lots of emphasis loving kindness, compassion, practice of compassion, and. and uh, uh, so Lama Atisha approach of a compassion practice is a tremendous emphasis to communicating and understanding with the ego. You know, sometimes compassion can be like, you know, when it's a self-compassion, sometimes compassion for ego. <laughs> that is not Lama, Tsong, Lama Atisha, his approach of a compassion. You know, sometimes self-compassion, we need, yeah, self-compassion, are we trying to protect, are we trying to smoothing our own ego? We're trying to kind of like, a poor ego. <laughs> so, so this, so we need to, so when they invited Lama Atisha, and uh, his approach, the compassion, even the self-compassion, is a clear communication with our own ego. And compassion for all another living being is also through the wisdom understanding of another people's challenge of the ego, and based on that, cultivating our compassion. Uh, and you know this approach, Lama Atisha's approach, this also comes from like a, uh, like Shantideva. And Shantideva is one of the great uh, master. So really, now again, healthy mind, healthy body, we say meditation. What really happening over there? Ultimately, I think, you know, we can close eye, we can recite some mantra, and and chill out <laughs> a little bit. But if we don't have any communication with our own ego, when we come out from that meditation, we are ready to fight. <laughs> Maybe we are more more relaxed to fight. <laughs> now we are more. so so really fundamentally, you know, meditation requires communication with our own ego. And our own ego, why? Because our ego is the main department which really works and shapes our intention, our motivation. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, some practitioners, they become so unconventional because they are really looking for their, their intention all the time, so sometimes it doesn't not necessarily function as a like a conventional. In a, in a conventional world, we say, okay, because of this, we have our own rule and regulation. <laughs> and practitioners, they, they, they really won't pay attention too much with the external rule and regulation. They really look into the behavior of the ego. You know, one time, there's one great uh, yogi, he was a hermit, and he's we are really good friend, and he was like in almost I felt like if I ask him something my favorite, he will do it. <laughs> almost this level of trust I gain myself. Maybe I was a paranoid, but one day I asked him something, then he said, he looked at me and he said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
he's this kind of hermit person and is really you know, great. I admire him very much. But then he also was a very close friend and you know in conventional world, you know, I, I which I'm asking is not too big, you know, maybe we'll say like, okay, I'll do it. It's pretty much going to happen. I expect it. But he looked at me and he said like he said, No. <laughs> And he had the resource, he had everything. I'm not asking something he don't have. <laughs> in, in conventional world, I'm ready to argue, like, you know, like, why? But then, because I know he's, he's a practice, where he practices, he looks into the, like, you know, like, maybe he thought, like, you know, he, he's looking constantly his intention. It's surprising a little bit if you surprise me, but but I I'm able to look at it, not not starting arguing with him, and then you know, trying to see you know maybe he's looking in his intention. Like if you don't find really good intention, in the intention something is genuine, then he's a he's a no. <laughs> so, so so sometimes practitioners they are like kind of. Um, from conventional eye point of view, they can be a little bit off, <laughs> but it's okay. I think we need to see there. You know, when you're working with the intention, it's, it's a whole different ball game. You know, it's a whole different approach. You know, it's uh, <clears throat> it's a, it is a, it will shake our conventional culture. You know, it, which is very surface and very surface logic and reason. It's very surface cause and effect. It is not so much. It is very surface. It it's don't have the depth. So spiritual practice, what the basically spirituality is basically something trying to bring truth, more deep truth. You know, truth have a layers, you know, conventional truth, you know, ultimate truth, all these different worlds. But spiritual practice, basically fundamentally this people who kind of able to communicate, able to see, not with the distraction of the surface reality, but more comes from kind of depth of the heart. You know, so, so that's, I think, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, so meditation, basically, fundamentally, it means compassion, fundamentally, it means how we communicate with our own ego. Ego is a very important part of spiritual path, I think. You know, sometimes you say, oh, ego, this is the bad one, we need to chase it out. Without the ego, I think we are not able to find and see the clarity of our journey. And at the end, our ego needs to transform, not we. We impeach the ego <laughs> and replace with something. At the end, you know, this is, uh, you know, like it's, it's the same thing. Like every negative emotion, we, you know, like if we have anger, if we're looking for how to get rid of it up, I think we are starting from the wrong point of view. <clears throat> if we have a, uh, any kind of challenge, we're just looking like, how do I get rid of this one? We are starting already wrong way. The first thing, I think, how I can understand my own ego, how I can understand my own frustration, how should I understand my should this kind of like a reactive behavior. Let me look at it, let me see. Let me communicate with that. Let me understand. Let me have a meditation session with that. You know, kind of uh, not as a accepting as our own nature, and then trying to uh, trying to transform within the anger itself. Trying to transform within the ego its own self. You know. So so fundamentally, <clears throat> so there is a, some kind of very peaceful, grounded confidence. I was not say confidence, but some kind of strength. You know, some kind of strength can manifest many different ways. Strength can manifest very aggressive way. Strength can manifest very, uh, you know, 
So here, that strength have a calmness, that strength have a maturity, that strength have a, is a strength as a, you know, anyway, <laughs> when you say, I think it's in, a, in a deeper way when you say maturity, You know, mature or unmature is a emotional maturity. You know, intelligent maturity is very relatively established. You know, so it's very relatively. But meditation of emptiness, meditation of emptiness, is a basically once in the, there's a text that says once you realize emptiness, you are matured. When you don't realize emptiness, you are childish. So. Again, again, basically, a spiritual journey is uh, nothing different than I feel maturity of our human emotion. Some level of a maturing, maturing, maturing. So spiritual journey is something maturing. And uh, what that really means, maturity over here, You know, sometimes I feel this <clears throat> meditation of emptiness. Maybe first individual, when they started to meditate in emptiness, and once you realize emptiness, maybe you will starting to laugh for yourself. I think <laughs> you will be like laughing for yourself. <laughs> If you meditate in emptiness, you again realize, oh, I found something great, and you're trying to gain more kind of bigger. And I'm not sure. It's, then, Meditation and emptiness, maybe once individual meditate in emptiness, I think they may have lots of more humor, much more. There's a humor all over. <laughs> <laughs> I think out when you come out of meditation emptiness, that person must be cracking and laughing and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know is 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 uh, embarrassing and uh, all kind of things. I think. Uh, Uh, because it really able to see in a, the the process, not only yourself and your friends and everybody who's going through, and through this humor and laugh, there's a space for compassion. There's a space for. There's a space for. No, you need to calm down. <laughs> you can say you need to calm. We all need to calm down. <laughs> so, uh, so I think uh, uh, meditation of emptiness. You know, if 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 that's become more successful, I think uh, may become much more humor, humor. Sometimes they say it will. You feel you are lost. You feel like you cannot find. <laughs> maybe at the beginning, maybe something like that. But I think in the later, maybe you know, you are much more relaxed. You have a, you have a much more space to see a humor. Uh, you know, sometimes we have a meditators. I love so serious and kind of heavy face. <laughs> And I can see Melarepa, you know, he's singing, and, and, and you know, he's kind of having a good time, you know. He was, uh, so, <clears throat> uh, fundamentally, spiritual practice is to relieve from that stiffness, stiff, very stiff emotion, very stiff our mind. You know, somehow able to breathe, somehow able to relax. At the same time, able to move forward, make a progress. Uh, so, <clears throat> uh, okay. <laughs> This is you know, what I'm thinking. There's a, one teacher in 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 India, the great master, and he's known for really good debating, and he's really good teacher. And uh, In his class and his debating session is all of a humor. 
he's, he's always, at the same time, he's, he's making really strong point, but there is no rigid. And it's almost like everybody's laughing, then he'll make a really strong point, and then it's like a lot, it is a, is a, there's a, this kind of like a relief, <laughs> you know. So, I, and I think he's, uh, <clears throat> he's also very, very precise. He's not just like a stand-up comedian, <laughs> but he's very precise what he's making point. At the same time, there's this kind of very uh, joyful around his present and his around his wisdom. So basically, through the wisdom, able to create joy for our own self and joyful surrounding world. And joy is the kind of one of the source of a you know, compassion, you know, like compassion in terms of over here is uh, not so much pretty feeling. You know, sometimes we get misunderstood between the compassion and, and sorry feeling. <laughs> it's not that kind of compassion, the sorry feeling compassion. It's still good, sorry feeling compassion. There's some level of, you know, Empathy with the joy and empathy with the sorrow. These can be two different things. We can sometimes we can feel empathy with the sorrow. You know, like almost, you know, can I stay with this? I can feel this empathy a little while. If I take this empathy whole day, I will get exhausted. You know, not that kind of. So empathy with the joy and empathy with the uh, with the sorrow, you know, pain. You know, these can be two different things. So through the wisdom, empathy can lead into the joy. So, through the wisdom, the compassion can lead into the joy, <coughs> joyful compassion. You know, so, so basically, uh, anyway, uh, here what we are trying to communicate is the Lama Atisha, this great master, uh, something very humble, with the full richness of the, his wisdom and compassion. <coughs> so. So beginning part of the Lambrim, he make this, who's the role model for the, his teaching? All the explanation was he was going to give, he wants to present the real model. And that the real model is the Lama Atisha. And the, basically, he have a tremendous, so many different qualities. But the tremendous, the fundamental quality, inner richness with the loving kindness and the compassion, externally have a, this kind of like a hum, humility. Mm. So this is this is this is like the what spiritual practitioners we want to see, you know, that kind of the real model. Okay. Mm. Thank you for listening to the Maitripa College podcast. This podcast was produced by Alfredo Pinero. Tiffany Blumenthal, Andrew Hughes, Kate McDonald's, and me, your host, Namdrol Miranda Adams. <laughs>